You know, his, uh, his folks in the family developed a very interesting technology. 2006 convinced him to go ahead and start scaling it in 2013, or sorry, in 2006, launched the company, ended up going public uh, several years later to raise additional capital. They raised about, they'll call it 100 million bucks total. Additionally, they've got a Chinese firm that's put in about 12 million, or sorry, 38 million bucks as an actual customer, basically buying a license for the rights to this uh, pill in China. The big differentiator, they're able essentially to deliver uh, insulin orally, which goes directly into the liver versus what we all do today, or I believe what most people do today with diabetes which is injections, which goes directly into the bloodstream. Very different models. We'll see if it takes off. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. They had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everybody. My guest today is Nadavik Kidron. He's the CEO and director of Oramed Pharmaceuticals, which he co-founded in 2006 to bring oral insulin to the millions of people with diabetes. Kidron holds a bachelor's degree in law and an international MBA. He's also a member of the Israeli Advanced Technology Industries and an international lecturer on Israelis or on, on Israel's entrepreneurial and innovative culture. Nadav, are you ready to take us to the top? I'm ready. All right. Diabetes is a big problem. How are you helping? What we try to do at Oramed is to take insulin, which currently can only be given as an injection, and we have the technology to take insulin and deliver it orally. And so what, what I don't have diabetes, so you have to help us empathize. What does that mean for someone with diabetes? Okay, so you, you thank God, you don't have diabetes, but when you look around you, you know almost 10% of the population suffers from diabetes. The lifestyle that we have results in many, many, many people who suffer from diabetes. The problem when someone has diabetes is when he starts with a type 2, he cannot produce enough insulin or there is an insulin resistance and they don't want to go in the injection. And what we offer them is a new paradigm, a new way to treat diabetes by giving them insulin as an earlier treatment and pushing away the point that they become insulin dependent where the major complications can happen at that point in time. Okay, but is also the form factor, is that also a big difference? One is an injection, but you're taken orally? Yeah, there's a huge difference because when you take an injection, it goes straight into your bloodstream. But when we give it orally, it actually goes into the liver. And the liver is the organ that regulates the secretion of the insulin into the bloodstream. Okay, interesting. So we're able to mimic the physiological way that the body works. Why has nobody done this before? Because if you take something like an insulin and you put it in your mouth, it gets degraded. And, and, and the size of the insulin does not allow it to go into the bloodstream. So we have a technology that was actually developed by my mother, who is a scientist, that allows us to protect the insulin from degradation and to take it intact into the liver. And, and at a high level, how does that tech work? Is it kind of like an M&M to keep the chocolate from melting has a hard shell? Yeah, so, so there is a hard shell part of it as well. But the real thing is that there's enzymes that they basically cause the degradation. And we have sort of an anti-enzyme that knows how to protect from those enzymes. So think about it like a, like a shield that protects. And this is exactly what we have. Okay, that's great. So I want to get the, more of the backstory here. Before we do that, give us a sense of where you're at today. So pre or post-revenue? 
So, so we're sort of in between because we have some revenues because we had a large licensing deal with China that basically gave us $50 million, but uh, we still don't have the product in the market because we have to finalize the process with the FDA. With the Chinese FDA? We're doing both, the American FDA and the Chinese FDA. Oh, so you have to do that with both? You haven't done it? You haven't gone through with either of them yet? So we, with the with the American FDA, we're now doing a study that will take us into a phase three, which is the last trial you need to do in order to register the drug. And with the Chinese FDA, we're probably going to get to the market even before the United States. Okay, interesting. Now, when, when you say $50 million deal, have they actually paid that cash all up front or it's just a signed contract with a bunch of contingencies right now? So we got $30 million out of the 50. We should be getting a few more millions this year. And, and some of it uh, earlier the next year as well. That's great. So this is essentially helping you obviously fund the company. Have you raised outside capital or are you bootstrapped? No, we, we raised. The company today is a public company on NASDAQ. Um, the company, just the cash the company has today, it's about $50 million, five zero, and there's more cash coming from the Chinese. Up today, altogether, I would say probably over $100 million of money between the revenues and money was raised went into the company. So, so, so it's, it's a real interesting enterprise. Why do you go? So wh- when, what year did you go public in? 2013, we went up to NASDAQ. Okay. And this was about four, that was about seven years after you launched the company. You are, I assume you were pre-revenue at that time, correct? Yeah, correct. So how do you go to public? I mean, most people assume that like, I come from the software world. Most people say, okay, you got to have at least a hundred million bucks in kind of annual revenue before you go public and get a good multiple. How were you able to go public pre-revenue? Well, you're smart enough to be in the software world because in our world, it takes a lot of money and a huge investment and a lot of time before you see anything. So when you go to an investor, I come to you and I say, listen, you know, do you want to invest in something that can make the lives of many people better, but you may have to sit on the sideline for 10 years. You can say, ah, you know what? I don't want to lack my money for 10 years. So there's many, 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 many companies who are doing R&D within pharma that they went public because people are willing to take the risk and the downside and the upside, but they also want to have the liquidity. So if for some reason they want to get out, they can get out. If the company has reached a milestone, even though it hasn't reached the full registration, you know, hopefully share price will go up and they can make their bucks, their profit and, and, and take it off the table. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, I mean, how do you manage that though, from an investor kind of story perspective? I know, I think, you know, back in early, early 2014, before you spiked up to 30 bucks a share, you were at called eight, nine, 10 bucks today. You're at, you know, four five, six ish, right? So it's been basically flat to declining over the past five years. When will that start to turn around and go up? I mean, how do you manage the investor story? So, so it's a very difficult area to manage. Now, in our case specifically, it's a little bit more difficult because we have a few major shareholders that they control a big chunk of the company. Between myself and the Chinese and some of the other shareholders, we own about 50% of the company. So, so what happens is the level of liquidity is very low. So if you're going to come now and you're going to buy a million dollars of shares, share price is going to spike. And if you're going to sell a million dollars worth of shares, share price is going to go down. And that's a challenge is the lack of liquidity. So I, I would look at it sort of as a half private company. That's why, hence, I think there's an opportunity because the company is making a nice progress. The company doesn't need to raise money. Okay, we can see the milestone coming. And in about 10 months from now, we're going to have the most important milestone in our history where we're going to have the result of a 90 days trial when we administer our oral insulin. And that's going to be a very or the most clear-cut indication as to the value of this technology. Mm-hmm. I just wonder, with, with the timing and the risk and all that, why do, why not just raise from private investors? There's so much dry powder right now. Why, why did you need to go public to raise all that capital? It seems like there's just more scrutiny there. 
There is, there is, and it takes a huge amount of effort from the management to, to put into it. But even when I spoke to some of the uh, private investors, many of them, they want to see liquidity down the line. Nobody wants, the problem is currently, if you have a drug and you want to get it to the market in the United States, you need to go through the US FDA. The US FDA takes you through a Via Della Rosa that costs you a lot of money and mainly takes you a long time. How much and how much time? Well, if you look at the average time to develop a drug, you're talking about 15, 16 years. And how much money? The average, you're talking about the average, if you're taking also the, the, the ones that fail, you're talking about close to a billion dollars to develop a drug. So, so the investors say, you know what, I, I want to enjoy it because it could be that even the drug is going to fail at the end of the day. But if you had a nice run, so at least they took off the investment they had. And if it succeeds, so they can have a huge upside. So you will see today. Or, they, huge, or they lose it all. Or they lose it all. This is a high risk area. But you see today, you, you see today many, many, many companies who are, are doing their R&D, who are public, and, some, and they have values from $5 million to, to several billion dollars, pre-revenue companies. Yeah, interesting. Um, okay, very good. Walk us through some of the backstory here. So it sounds like this was technology that's kind of been in the family for a while. What were you doing in 2006, and why did you decide to start the company? So my background is I'm a lawyer, I have an MBA, I'm, I'm into the business side. My mother, since I was born, she was a scientist that worked specifically on insulin and getting the alternative way to deliver insulin into the liver. And about 2006, she came to me and she said, listen, son, we have a breakthrough. We have a technology that can allow us to take insulin and potentially other drugs as well, other peptides as well. And uh, we want to take it forward. The, the medical center doesn't have the funds to take it forward. And it can help many people. Do you want to get involved? And I said, it can help many people. It also has a huge financial upside. And basically, I went to the medical center. I worked with the tech transfer to take the IP, the technology, out of the, out of the medical center. I raised the money, started the company. And 13 years later, we are, we are at a very advanced stage. And we are, we're seeing now the, the last steps in order to get it into registration. Mm-hmm. What are, so what are the risks? Or, or you feel like it's definitely happening? You're 10 months away from it being approved and revenue coming in. There's no such a thing as definitely happening because it's not up to me. At the end of the day, you have the FDA that they called the shot. So, so I can never say it's definitely coming. Why might they turn it down, though? At the end of the day, the advantage that we have is that unlike a new drug, if I come to New York and I say, wow, listen, I found this new chemical entity and that can help diabetes. Here, what we do is we're taking insulin that has been around for a long time and we know that it works. And we have the ability to deliver it orally instead of an injection that we already proved in principle that that works. So that's why I think while there's still a risk, the chances by our technology is much higher than something which is totally new. Is there any middle ground here? Do you either become a you know, $100 billion company because of how big the space is if you get approval and if you cross all these steps or you basically go to zero and get nothing? Or is there a path to doing, hey, you know, it's a good company. We're going to do $40 million a year in revenue for the next decade. So most chances it's going to be one of the two, meaning most chances it's going to be successful and big or nothing. I'm talking generally in the industry. In our case, I think the chances to success a little bit better because like I said, we've got the principle there. But sometimes you get a situation where something works, it's not that exciting. So it's going to be a drug that's not going to sell for a billion dollars, but maybe there's a 50 million market or you find a niche that you can plug yourself into. 
But 90% chance when you look at our industry, it's it's you make it or you break it. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Why did you make the decision to apply this kind of d- delivery mechanism with the enzymes in the capsule to insulin versus some other drug? In other words, why not just license this technology to a bunch of other people versus going and doing it yourself with insulin specifically? So we, we are self-working. We have a pipeline. We have other things beyond insulin. So we're working on insulin. We're working on another drug that's called GLP-1 analog. We're working on leptin. Leptin is something that when you take it, it sends a message to the brain that you, you basically you're full, so you don't want to eat more. And if you eat less, maybe we shouldn't say it out loud in the United States of America, but if you eat less, you actually you lose weight. Is that how that works? <laughs> yeah, but let's keep it between us. I don't want, uh, you know, we do have a big market to, to address. Uh, we're also using the insulin to treat something that's called NASH, which is fatty liver. So we have our own pipeline. Our scientists have probably unmatched experience when it comes to delivering insulin uh, orally. So it made sense for us to start with insulin. But if you're going to read through our filing, you're going to see like we have a big pharma that came to us and said, listen, we have our own drug. Can we use your technology to deliver it orally? We've been working with them on their drugs. So we have been doing some other stuff besides our own pipeline. Mm-hmm. If other people in the industry, public companies in this space doing hundreds of billions or, you know, whatever market cap, it, it, you know, they've analyzed, I assume your product, if they really believed it was going to get through, they know diabetes is a huge market. Why have they not tried to buy you for some unreasonable multiple before you actually go through that last de-risking stage? Well, first of all, if you look at the actual deal, we deal with uh, our Chinese partner, which is a very well established company. And you look at the valuation they gave us, so they're paying us $50 million and 10% royalties, and they've been investing hundreds of millions of dollars into the facility of the building in China, and China is 5% of the global market of diabetes. So the value that they gave us, this $50 million, is based on $1 billion upfront value. Wait, were they investing or they were a customer? So they did both. Uh, $12 million was an investment, and $38 million, basically, they paid in order, they paid some of it in order to get the license for China. I see. But, but if, you look, if you look at the numbers, it gives you a valuation. Like I said, the market doesn't necessarily represent the right value because the market doesn't have the liquidity in it. Now, we are, and this is public in our filing, we are in discussions with potential partners. And I think everybody understands that if we're going to do a deal, if we're going to strike a deal, it's not going to be based on the current market cap, but it's going to be based on the potential that everybody sees in, into this product. What is your current market cap? About $100 million. Okay. And what did the Chinese group give you when they put $12 million in? So they did it at, uh, at about double than what the current uh, market price is. And what year was that? That was at the end of uh, 2015, December 2015. Okay, interesting, interesting. And why didn't the public markets react favorably to that and automatically make your kind of share price match that valuation? So I think I think there's a little bit of a bias in the United States about anything which is China-derived. Uh, that, that's my explanation. But I think the bottom line is there's not enough liquidity because if you're a big fund and you're seeing this thing and you're seeing an arbitrage and you're saying here, the Chinese is paying $10.5 per share, the share price is trading at $5, I should be paying double. But, but then if there's not enough liquidity, if you're going to start buying for $1, 2 $3 million, it's going to go to $20, million, $20 a share. That's a limiting, a limiting factor. Yeah. They, just to be clear though, that Chinese company, you were already public. So when they bought that $12 million, they just bought it through exchanges, right? Or did they do a private deal with you so on the side? Private, it's, a, it's a private placement. They gave us $12 million and we issued shares for them at the $10.4. Oh, interesting. Why didn't they? And they couldn't go, you're saying they couldn't just go through the exchanges because there's not enough volume. It's too volatile. 
if they would put $12 million uh, into the market, it would have been probably at uh, 15 or $18 per share. I see. I see. Interesting. Last question here. So we're in a niche that if you're a small investor, you can come in and you can you can enjoy it. But if you're a little bit of a bigger fund, you, you cannot come in. There's no entrance for you at this point in time. Um, Ex-Israeli defense. There's something they teach you in Israel that makes you guys great founders. What is What are the keys? Well, I think there's a few things. I mean, if you look today, and by the way, I'm also on the board of IETI, which is the umbrella organization for the high-tech and biotech in Israel. It's unbelievable what What's happening today in Israel as far as new technologies are being developed, you have to come and sit in your eyes and you're still not going to believe it. I think there's many reasons why it's happening. Some people say because the army, you know, allows people to, to do it right. The fact that we cannot trade with our neighbors. So you want to do you want to go into areas where you can do things uh, electronically. So so I think there could be many, many reasons. But the bottom line is Israel is, is booming. And I'm very proud to be part of it uh, with Oramed as well. Very good, Nadav. All right, let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Oh, wow, gee. There's so many of them. Um, but I actually, I'll tell you, my, my, you, you're going to laugh, but I think the best business book is the philosophy books that I read, which are not direct in business, but it teaches you about philosophy, about the way you think, and you are, I apply it to business. So what's the name of the book? So I, I've been reading, I mean, I can tell you a few things. I'm listening now to a podcast, Philosophize It philosophize it yeah okay very good throughout the whole thing highly recommended number two is there a ceo you're following or studying right now there's a few i have a friend of mine Oria domi who heads a company called mazor they just uh announced that Medtronic is going to buy them for 1.6 billion dollars and he's a friend of mine i speak to him and i hear from him how he does things and and it's much better than following something someone from far it's following someone from close and hearing about things the real way and not only through the press. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building your business? I, I, I'm, I'm not such a technical guy. So I do the emails and that's it. Everything else I need help. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? About five, hopefully six. And what's your situation? Married, single, kiddos? Married, three girls. Oh, wow. You got a full house. And how old are you? I'm 44. 44. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Oh, wow. To to be able to differentiate between the important thing to the less important thing. Important versus less important. There you guys have it. You know, his uh, his folks in the family developed a very interesting technology. 2006 convinced him to go ahead and start scaling it. In 2013, or sorry, in 2006, launched the company, ended up going public uh, several years later to raise additional capital. They raised about, they'll call it 100 million bucks total. Additionally, they've got a Chinese firm that's put in about 12 million, or sorry, 38 million bucks as an actual customer, basically buying a license for the rights to this uh, pill in China. The big differentiator, they're able essentially to deliver uh, insulin orally, which goes directly into the liver Versus what we all do today, or I believe what most people do today with diabetes, which is injections, which goes directly into the bloodstream. Very different models. We'll see if it takes off. Navad, thank you so much for taking us to the top. Thank you for having me over.